I, I mentioned on Sunday that we were going to be finishing up or at least talking about a little bit more of the um, Seventh-day Adventists, but uh, I know the kids have to practice their uh, program and all that kind of stuff tonight, so I changed course a little bit. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a Bible study here on Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, we'll be much, much quicker than we would be if we were going to get into the whole uh, Seventh-day Adventist tonight. So I just want to give you a couple, a couple points. Uh, um, as uh, one old black preacher that I heard uh, years ago said, let me walk down the corridors of your mind. I have a few thoughts I'd like to hang there. And uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 is just that. Uh, it's a very familiar verse to us, um, and you probably heard many, many messages on it. I, I don't necessarily, I, well, I shouldn't say that. It is a message. I'm going to preach a message to you tonight, but I uh, just want to give you a few thoughts, a few points, uh, some things to think about as we move into this new year and uh, finish up with, with 2021 and uh, move into what God has, us, has for us for the next year. But, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The question is this, do you know what your besetting sin is? Um, mine is not yours, yours is not mine. Everybody's is different. I mean, some, some may look the same, some may be along the same uh, line, but uh, the, 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 the besetting sin that I'm talking about is the one that is always getting you off course. Where you get right with God, you have, you have times of closeness with God where you feel like you're uh, you're really doing what he wants you to do, and then you start to drift away. What is it that causes you to drift away? For most people, it's usually one thing or maybe two things. And it, and it could change over the course of the years. It may not be the same thing 10 years ago as it is today. It may not be the same 10 years from now as it is today. Um, but it's usually always something that, that we drift back toward or something that pulls us away from God. And so uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the same sin that you repent of, you get right, you, you really feel like you're moving forward for God, and then something causes that to shift a little bit, and the next thing you know, you're drifting right back into that same thing again. And it's different for everybody, and I, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm, you know, sometimes the hardest thing we, we have to do is to simply identify what that besetting sin is, and then that's when the battle really begins. Uh, once you identify it, once you know what it is, now you have to fight against it. Now you, you know, uh, now you, you know that that's something that's going to get you off. And so, I, you know, honestly, this, this passage here in Hebrews chapter 12 is the primary passage that talks about besetting sins. I, I don't even know if there's another passage in the Bible that talks about besetting sins uh, besides Hebrews chapter 12. But that list of besetting sin is a mile long. And uh, for most people, it's one or two or maybe three things, but usually all of those things kind of go together and you could lump them under this one category, whatever that happens to be. But it, it, I mean, it may be pride or anger or, I mean, there's so many things that, that could be that besetting sin. And I'm not necessarily going to get specific tonight uh, because I, th I think that most people are aware of what their besetting sin is. I don't need to preach and, well, is this your problem? Is this your problem? And you're thinking, you know what? Maybe that is my problem. I think sometimes there are things where we're saying, you know what, I never really thought of that before, but yeah, that is something that I, that I need to work on. 
That's not what I'm talking about tonight. The besetting sin is the sin that most people know exactly what it is, know that that's the one that puts, you know, that gets them off course, know that that's the thing they struggle with, know that that's the thing that they need to, to really pay attention to. And so I just want to take a couple minutes tonight and talk about our besetting sin. Let's see what we can draw from this passage that will hopefully be a help for us tonight. Let's pray, and then we'll look at some things quickly here tonight for a few minutes. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together. I pray that this would be a help to us tonight, more of a reminder than anything I know because we've heard many messages on this passage before, many messages on this verse, and many messages that have referenced this verse. And so I pray that this would be something that would would help us, that would uh, keep us from uh, going down that path that would take us away from you. And God, I pray that you'd bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see this, first of all. If, if we have a race to run, then we have a besetting sin to deal with. And I know that might sound kind of self-explanatory, but who has a besetting sin? Everybody does. Everybody does. You may not be struggling with it right at the moment. You may have victory over it at the moment, but you have a besetting sin. You have something that you struggle with. Uh, it's part of having that sin nature. Early on, uh, the flesh has... Is, Patterns that, are, that start to develop, and most of those start in childhood and move all the way up through adulthood. And, you know, some things that maybe you struggle with as a kid or as a teenager or as a young adult, you're still struggling with. And that's still the same thing that you're, you're dealing with now. But these, these unholy habits are formed very easily. Boy, it'd be nice if the holy habits were formed as easily as the bad ones. Uh, it doesn't usually work that way. It's a lot more work to, to do the things that are right than it is to just let things go and allow these unholy habits to form. But... Uh, sins of a lifetime usually start in our youth, and they continue on. And if we let them go unchecked or we allow those to be the things that come back and come back and come back, then they'll, they'll be a besetting sin for the rest of our life. But the truth is we all have a race to run. And the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. You see, we're, we're all surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, we all are living this life. We all have a race to run. And so it says, you're, you gotta, you're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So because of that, lay aside the weight, set aside the sin. That means that's everybody. He doesn't say, if you have a besetting sin. <laughs> he says, set it aside. And so if we have a race to run, we have to deal with, with that besetting sin. The second thing is this. If we're going to run our race effectively, then we're going to have to lay aside our besetting sin. And again, very self-explanatory, right? Somebody who goes to run a race is not wearing a 50-pound backpack and expecting to go finish a marathon in a record time, right? You lay aside every weight. You, you work out. You make sure that you are as light as you can be. You make sure that, you, you know, that you're not carrying an extra 20 pounds around your waist. Or, you know, if you're trying to break records and, or even a personal record, you're going to make sure that you lay aside everything that's going to hinder that from happening. And, and it just makes sense that we would say the same thing has to be true in our spiritual lives. If, if it goes without saying that you can't get along effectively for Christ if you're dealing with distractions. And that's exactly what that besetting sin is. But then let me say this, is number three. If we're going to lay, lay aside our besetting sin, then we're also going to have to lay aside the weights that are connected to those things. And I know when we talk about this verse often... Uh, well, let me say this. Sin always has a context, or maybe I should say sin has a pretext. Um, I think it's interesting that, that so often we focus on the weight or we focus on the sin, but the Bible makes a distinction here. He says, lay aside every weight 
and the sin which does so easily beset us. Well, we always say, well, you can't run a race with weight, so lay aside the sin. Well, he's talking about a weight and a sin. There's two different things that he's talking about in this passage. And so I think it's important, you know, something, something always precedes disobedience. You always have something that moves you in that direction. And so a lot of times those things are not necessarily bad things. And that's why uh, they're so easily excused. That's why we make excuses. Well, this is not a bad thing, but that thing leads to the next thing. And so the weights lead to that besetting sin. It's the weights that we need to deal with so that we don't get to the point where we have to deal with the besetting sin. If you, if you want to avoid sin, then you have to avoid the place of temptation. If you want to conquer a bad habit, then you have to make it hard on yourself to continue that bad habit, right? Uh, I mean, one of the things that we did often, and, and uh, it helped with, with some, it didn't help with the others, but um, you, you see, uh, we have this stuff called fooey that you spray, you know, it's, it's made for animals, but it's, I mean, obviously it's safe for, for, if it's safe for an animal, it's safe for a human for the most part, right? But it's made to spray on like furniture legs and stuff like that to keep dogs from chewing on furniture. And it just tastes so nasty that, that you know, they lick it and they bite on that thing and eventually they stop because they don't like the taste of it. Well, Riley asked us, I, I, can you put fooey on my finger? I don't want to suck my finger anymore. Can you put some on there so I'll stop, right? Well, you see, that didn't work. She's doing that right now. She eventually licked it all off and then said, well, this is better than having fooey on my finger anyway. But, you know, we did that with the others. They were trying to stop, put some of that fooey on there, and they stick it in their mouth, and, oh, it's nasty, right? You break that habit. You make them so that they, 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 the consequences for doing that are so much worse than actually doing the thing. You have to set those things in place to make it that way for yourself. If you want to break a bad habit, if you, want to, if you want to move away from doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing or something that you know leads you to a temptation, then you have to purposely set out to make that not a temptation, right? The devil is always going to put something in front of you that's going to lead you away from God. So you have to go, I mean, go places that where those things are not going to be. You have to set things in place to make sure that that temptation is not going to be there. You stay out of sin because you plan to stay out of sin, right? That's, that's how you stay away from it. The devil's going to make it very easy for you to fall the, to that temptation. So how do you stay out of it? You plan to stay out of it. Weights are what makes it possible for that sin to so easily beset us, as the Bible says. Anything, anyone, any place that draws us from Christ and prompts us to sin is the enemy. And it's our job to identify the enemy and to stay away from him, identify the enemy, and, and actively fight against him. Your job is to determine what that enemy is and then avoid it. Make plans to destroy it. By the way, lack of sleep is a great enemy that most people don't really pay attention to. Uh, you ever notice how, how much easier it is to fall prey to temptation? And, and I mean, just you know, if anger is your issue, it's a whole lot easier to get angry when you're tired, right? It's easy to blow up when you're, when, you're, when you're tired. It's easy to fall to whatever temptation the devil puts in front of you when you're tired. That's one of the reasons the devil came to Jesus after 40 days of physical exhaustion in the wilderness, right? He was at his weakest point physically. And so I, I know that there are things that get in a way where we you know, maybe we can't sleep because of work or something like that. But if you're just, if you're just sitting around 
you know, doing nothing at night and you're wasting time and then you're waking up so dead tired the next day and go to sleep, right? Get sleep. You know, use that as an opportunity to help you fight against the things. When you're, when you're weak physically, most of the time you're going to be weak spiritually at the same time. And so, uh, you know, I get that there are reasons that you can't go to bed, but if you can, then get adequate sleep. I, and it sounds so practical, and, it, and, and really it is. It's a very practical thing. But you are weak spiritually when you're weak physically. Make sure you take care of those things. Pastor Brothers, my, my father-in-law always used to say, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock at night. And I think it's so true, right? I mean, why do you think that, you know, the bars are open till 2 o'clock in the morning? Why do you think that those things really fill up at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night? Nothing good happens after 10 o'clock, right? Um, whether you're out in the town, whether you're, you know, on the privacy of your computer, watching television, whatever it is, nothing good usually happens after 10 o'clock. John chapter 3, verse 19 says, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's, I mean, that's so true. And, and again, I mean, maybe 9.30, maybe 11 o'clock, whatever, but 10 o'clock is a pretty good cutoff time. If you don't have anything that you have to do, be off the computer by 10 o'clock. Be back at home by 10 o'clock. Be out of the way of temptation by 10 o'clock because nothing good ever happens after 10 o'clock. Here's the last thing, and why don't you turn over to Deuteronomy 23. If we're going to lay aside besetting sin and wait, then we have to do it intentionally. He says that very plainly in, in Hebrews chapter 12, and this kind of goes right along with that last point. But let us lay aside, he says. That means that is up to you. Now, there hath no temptation you that's not common to man. God's faithful will not suffer you to be tempted above the, that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God will give you a way out, but you have to take the way out, right? If there's a fire in a building and there's an exit, nobody's going to walk you to the exit more than likely, if you're, especially if you're the only one in there, right? There's the exit. Walk to it. You have to walk out the escape door. All right, and that's the same thing. God will give you the way to escape, but you have to be the one to take that escape route. You have to lay aside that weight. You have to let us lay aside every weight and the sin. God's not going to do it for you. Nobody else is responsible for that. There has to be a decision of the will, consciously and constantly, to avoid those things that detour us from God's will, from God's purpose, from God's design, and from victory that God can give us. And there's things that you can do to make sure that you don't fall into that besetting sin. If you need to take somebody with you everywhere you go, take somebody with you. Is it inconvenient? Absolutely. But if you know that you're going to go someplace that you shouldn't go when you're by yourself, then make sure somebody's with you, right? You, you ought to have things in place, just, just in general. I mean, I have my tracking on on my phone. My wife can find out where I'm at anytime, anytime that she wants to. And believe me, she does. What are you doing at Walmart? You don't need to be at Walmart right now. Where are you at Lowe's? No, it's not that bad, but, you know, oh, I just want to know where you are. I'm wondering, you know, what time you'll be home and whatever else, so I wanted to see where you are. I said, man, you're stalking me. I need to turn this thing off. But that's a good thing. She ought to be able to look on there and see where I'm at, right? All of your passwords that you have on your computers and your devices and all those things ought to be shared between you. She could get onto any one of my devices anytime she wants. She knows all of my passwords to everything. And it ought to be that way because, number one, I don't have anything to hide. Or at least I shouldn't have anything to hide. And number two, I'm not going to be on something and looking at things on the computer or the internet or other things if I know she can come right along behind me and find it, right? right. See what I'm doing? So those are things that you have to do intentionally. 
And I'm not saying that somebody that has their, you know, their location hidden or their passwords are secret or whatever else is into something, but I'm telling you, it makes it a whole lot easier to do something that you shouldn't do if you don't have those safeguards in place. Put those there. It keeps you, it keeps you safe. It keeps you protected. But, you know, let somebody be your accountability partner to ask you how you're doing with your anger. Hey, did you blow up on anybody this week? Well, yeah, yeah, I did. Now I have to admit it to you, right? Or, hey, did you, whatever, you know, it, it, whatever it happens to be. How, how are you doing with your prayer life? How are you doing in your Bible reading? You need an accountability partner, right? Did you read your Bible this week? Did you pray this week like you wanted to? Hey, it makes us vulnerable, but it keeps us accountable. And it's intentionally making sure that we are staying away from that besetting sin. And I'm saying, sometimes it's sins of commission, things that we do that are wrong. Sometimes it's sins of omission, things that we should be doing that we're not. And if you need to get somebody to be your accountability partner, then do it. Here's one other way that, that helps, and that is to make a vow to God. And then you better follow it. Because the Bible says this in Deuteronomy 23. You're there. Verse 21. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. But I tell you what, you want to make sure you're doing something right? Make a vow to God. I'm going to vow that I'm not going to do this. I'm going to vow that I will do this. And that's a serious thing. I mean, you're saying, you know, making a promise. I mean, that's one thing. You shouldn't break your promises and everything else. But a vow to God is something that's very serious. And that is a great deterrent to doing things that you shouldn't do. Or a great encouragement to doing things that you should do. Turn over to Ecclesiastes. We'll look at this as the last passage. Ecclesiastes, because this is right along the same, the same lines of that. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And this is how serious God is about vows when you make a vow to him. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse number 4. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. That's a serious thing. But if you take it seriously, then it can be a great tool to help you either do something you know you should or not do something you know you shouldn't. You make a vow, it's a very serious thing to God. But either way, you have to be intentional about setting aside besetting sins and weights that, that easily beset us, as the Bible says. There's a Puritan pastor back in the 1600s, 1700s by the name of John Owen. This is what he said. Our steps to conquer what he called a prevailing sin. Number one, affect your mind with the danger and guilt of that prevailing sin. I'm not going to take time to go through these, but what a, what, a, what a thought. You realize how dangerous that sin is and how guilty you are before God when you commit it. Two, pray for deliverance. Three, treasure up every warning from Scripture related to your temptation. Four, while working and watching against that sin, beware of others slipping in. You have that besetting sin, but beware of the other sins that are trying to sneak in the back door while you're focused on this one, right? But what a, what a, affect your mind with the danger and the guilt of that sin. Pray for deliverance from that sin. Look for everything you can find in the Bible about that particular sin, and then as you're fighting it, watch out for other things coming in the back door, right? Most people stand there and guard the front door. I'm not going to let that thing in there. And then the, somebody sneaks in the back door and, it, and you get shot in the back, right? That, the devil will do that. He does not play fair. Right. He does not play fair. Right. He wrote this. 
in your perplexities as to the power of sin, exercise faith. There is power in God through Christ for the subduing and conquering of it. We ought, to, we ought to be thankful that the only sin not conquered is the one that's not brought under Christ's control. We can have victory over that besetting sin. But it's one of those things that you have to be intentional about. If you're not intentional about it, it's not, you're not just going to, ooh, I accidentally got that thing under control. How did that happen? Right? It doesn't happen by accident. The devil is going to use that thing in your life, and he's going to use it to control you, and he's going to use it to clamp the screws down on you. He's going to use it to tell you you can't be effective for God. He's going to use it in so many ways in your life until you get control of that thing and until you set that aside and, let it, and, and not let it be something that hinders your, your race and your, your, your walk with God. But as you grow older and grow in the faith, God begins to reveal more of your deceitfulness to you. Our hearts are deceitful, above all things, and desperately wicked. That's what the Bible says, right? And, and as you get older and more mature in your faith, you realize that. And we easily forget God's goodness and mercy to us. We easily forget the painful consequences of sin. So easily we forget the, the vows that we make to God. We, we easily forget that the Lord has taught us so much through his word. And that, forget, that forgetfulness, many times, is the garden where all these unholy things can grow. And the more we allow those things to grow, the more it's going to be a besetting sin to us, the more it's going to be a weight that causes that besetting sin to us. We need to pray and ask the Lord to reveal our besetting sins. Most of us don't need to ask God what our besetting sin is because we know it. We know what it is that distracts us. We know what it is that, that, that bogs us down in our spiritual walk. But maybe it's the same sin as it was 10 years ago. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that you are relatively... It's relatively new to your life, but either way, by God's grace, we need to ask him to help us to fight against those things. We need to determine that we're going to lay aside those besetting sins and that we're going to move forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the pretext, and the sin which does so easily beset us. We need to make sure that we are avoiding the temptations that lead to that besetting sin. Get away all the distractions. Make sure that we're not even getting close to that sin. Because when we allow that to happen, we're no longer effective for God. We're going to be bogged down. We're going to be way behind where he wants us to be. We're going to be struggling in the process. We're not going to be near as effective in running our race for him as we could be. Just a reminder tonight, we have a lot of things to look forward to um, with, with Christ in the days ahead. But boy, number one, it's not going to be near as exciting if you know you're dealing with the sin that you just can't get rid of. And number two, you're not going to be effective for the cause of Christ with that sin in your life either. Let's get him out. Let's make sure we're moving forward the way that he wants us to. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the time together tonight. I do pray for our church. I pray for this Sunday, God. I pray that you would just uh, bring many people out here for the service. I pray that you'd help us as we try to share the message of the gospel that it would fall on, on soft ground and that we'd see some people get saved because of it. God, we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen.